so often I feel extremely blessed that my kids are honest, unfiltered, just speak what's on their mind, innocent, genuine. But when I'm on the receiving end and it's one of their honest comments that they don't even realize isn't that kind, I think twice about how much I enjoy that brutal honesty that Sandler the other day put his hand on my stomach and said, Mommy, are you pregnant? And then his sister burst out laughing hysterically and reiterated what he said. Mommy, Sandler thinks you're pregnant. And I just asked them to leave. I was so sad and hurt and mortified. And I thought, you know, I looked at the family dog, Kevin, and I said, this is why there's going to be many a time, Kevin, that you're my favorite. You're going to be my favorite member of this household because you don't talk and you don't ask me stupid questions like that. You don't have a mouth, thank God, and you just love me unconditionally. I'm Nikki Lynn Chase, and this is my podcast, Adult Chicken. It's about navigating life's unexpected, life's honesty, and unfiltered moments with two special needs kids as a single mom. I was very reluctant about getting a dog. I didn't want the commitment. I didn't want the responsibility. I went to my therapist because I had promised Bootsy when she turned 18, she could get a dog. And 18 broadsided me. It came so quick. And I wasn't going to not honor my promise. She's the biggest animal lover on the entire planet. And I had promised her when she turned 18, she would get to own a dog. And so I had to go to therapy and just admit that I was terrified of getting another animal. And it kind of, it was brought to my attention by my therapist that I actually experienced PTSD from from pets of my past. The first family pet was a dog named Dudley and Dudley was a little wire hair terrier. And Dudley had my dad's personality. Dudley existed before my brother and I did, so it was my parents' dog. But I do remember, I have vivid memories of Dudley always being bloody. Dudley was always in dog fights. It was this little tiny wire hair terrier who was wild. And I just remember constantly my parents bandaging Dudley up and worrying and stressing about bloody Dudley. But he lived for quite some time and then eventually he was replaced when he passed away with a dog named Muffin. And Muffin was a little Airedale and we always had terriers. And my mom let us know that Muffin was her dog. It wasn't really the family dog. It was her dog. And we kind of needed to respect the fact that that was hers, all hers. And my first memory of Muffin was my mom accidentally super glued herself to a freezer on her fingers. And the, the dog, Muffin, sat right next to her, didn't leave her side. And of course, as a kid, everything seems like it was forever. It seemed like she was super glued to that freezer for hours. And I just remember the dog sitting there next to her, not leaving her side and thinking, that's really sweet. What a loyal dog that Muffin is. But but Muffin smelled and I didn't like how Muffin smelled and I never really wanted to pet Muffin. And like I said, Muffin was my mom's dog and that was very clear. Well, one, one day I'm jump roping. I'm doing a jump for heart, which was you would jump as many times as you could and count your jumps and how many minutes you jump for the heart association. And I loved it. I loved jump roping, loved everything about it. And I was kind of competitive with my jump roping. So I was going to win whatever prizes. I was going to raise the most money, all of that. And I just remember that same day of jump for heart, my mom had to take Muffin. Muffin had gotten very sick and my mom had to take Muffin to uh, the vet. And I remember she walked in, I was jumping in the uh, gymnasium 
and I see my mom walk in and I remember vividly. It was an overcast day and she comes in and she had her beige corduroy trench coat on with the with the patches on the elbows. And I couldn't believe it. Here she was. My mom was there to support me doing Jump for Heart. And I was so elated and so excited. I remember I started jumping even faster and and more more jumps per minute. And she beelined it right over towards me. And I realized real quickly, it, she wasn't there to support me. I was in trouble for something. She had this look on her face. And she was holding this little baggie. And this baggie had something really disgusting, this glob in it. And it was just coated and nasty. And she said, Nikki, you almost killed Muffin. This is your Super Bowl. And I thought, what? What are you talking about? First and foremost, every kid in the world at that point had a Super Bowl. We all had boxes of Super Bowls. We were trading Super Bowls. I had a brother. He had a, his own box of Super Bowls. I thought, how in God's name do you know that that's my Super Bowl? But she was certain that I had almost killed Muffin her prized dog. So then I really had a, an issue with Muffin. I was terrified. I didn't want to kill the dog. I, it felt terrible and I felt awful and it ruined jump roping for me. I can't look at another jump rope and not remember that day specifically and vividly. And then my brother, same time we still had Muffin and my parents were still married and he was gifted. Uh, a bird by the name of Gucci and it was this fancy tennis family so I know that the bird was named after Gucci the the brand and I'm sure that bird was very annoying the bird talked but it only repeated its name so it's a Gucci all the time in a parakeet voice <laughs> and not as clear as a parrot not to be confused with a parrot even though that would probably be annoying too but then it would say my brother's name and it had a couple other sayings but it was on repeat and it never shut up and when it was living with this other family, it flew around, but they had clipped its wings so it couldn't fly very far, very high. But when we got it, no one ever clipped its wings, but it flew around the, the house. And I'm into birds. I think they're great and I think they're beautiful. In nature, I like to see them flying high, even if there's a plethora of them. That's great. I don't need them touching me. I don't want their wings near my face. I don't want them sitting on my shoulder, shitting on my shoulder. That's just not my thing. And that's what this bird did. And it was my brother's prized possession. And I'll never forget, again, I think most of my my childhood trauma is defined by what I was wearing. I just remember what I was wearing that day. And I, I came home, I had a peach long sleeve polo Oxford on. And I'm sure I had made my own money to earn that shirt, <laughs> which is probably why I remember it so vividly, and a pair of blue OP shorts on. And I walked into the house and I opened the, the front door and out flies Gucci. And indeed, Gucci had flown the coop. And I remember it was just my dad and brother home. And my dad catches on real quick to what had happened. And my dad always pretended he hated that bird, but I think secretly he loved that bird. He probably loved that bird more than my brother and I put together. And my dad ran out of the house. And we lived in a canyon. It was nothing but extremely tall uh, pine trees and just trees of every, of every sort and kind. But I remember specifically the first tree Gucci flew to was this extremely high pine tree in the neighbor's yard. And my dad looked at me and I'll never forget the look 
and the, and the way his mouth moved when he said it, he goes, if we don't get this bird back, I'm going to fucking kill you. And I, I'm a kid and I'm thinking, dear God, I'm going to die. Like, I'm going to die at the hands of my father. He's going to fucking kill me because that's what he just said. And he's passionate about this bird. And I remember him climbing to the very top of this pine tree thinking, I don't think he's going to catch that bird. And today I'm going to die. And he didn't catch Gucci. Gucci flew away. And, um, you know, I think probably one of the, the few tropical birds flying around in the, in the mountains of Colorado. He Obviously, my dad didn't kill me. But I remember thinking, I don't know if I can stand having another pet. You know, I've been accused of trying to kill the family dog. Now I've let the, the bird out never to be found again. And after all of the trauma between the bird and Muffin, Muffin passed away. My parents got divorced. I'm sure the focus was on something different. And some family friends of ours, their Labrador had gotten out and had gotten pregnant and ended up with a litter of, of puppies, Labrador mutts, which were the cutest darn puppies in the world. And of course, they were eager to get rid of their puppies. And I'm sure they thought, oh, Nikki's mom will be a sucker the time she wasn't paying much attention to what was going on anyway and I said I'll take one and I bring this little puppy home and I tell my mom I will like every kid promises I will feed it I will take care of it I will train it it was it was a girl and I named her Fergie and my mom made sure I understood every time something would go wrong that that was my dog it wasn't hers and I was responsible for it but Fergie had the habit of escaping once once she got a little older she'd escape and she'd go and swipe things off of the neighbor's patio and I remember she stole a wallet from the neighbor she stole a purse I she would always go I don't know why the neighbor didn't learn to not leave stuff on the on the porch but it was our fault the dog was escaping and it got so bad that my mom said, you need to get rid of your dog. It, we can't have this dog anymore. And I remember I had a, a garage sale and I remember sitting outside for hours and my mom made me put Fergie on a leash and with a sign that said dog, free dog. So everything else cost money, but you could have this dog. So buy a few things at my garage sale and, and Fergie is for free. And no one took Fergie. Now I'm in my junior year. And my brother and I are two years apart and only a week between our birthdays. And we had some mutual friends. He was only a year apart in school and two years in age. And our mutual friends were coming over for sort of a birthday celebration, birthday dinner. And they'd asked me uh, what I wanted for my birthday. Of course, we're high school kids. And so I, half jokingly, but I was always serious about it. I'm like, I want a farm pig. Sure enough, they show up with this little farm piglet. And it's the cutest darn thing in the whole entire world. And instantly my heart melted. And my mom, I can't believe she let us, but she let us keep it. But it's a farm pig. It's not, they, this is before the time of pot belly pigs. So it gets huge and it gets huge fast. And we kept it outside. It had a steady diet of cream-style corn and, and cottage cheese and, and pig feed. And, of course, we're not zoned for uh, farm animals where we lived. But Fergie, the, the bad dog, and this pig, we never named it because the, my brother, my mom, and I couldn't agree on a name, so we all called it something different. But, he, but the pig grew really fast and became best friends with the dog. 
Well, Fergie was the master of being an escape artist and would take the pig for walks down the street. Well, eventually somebody called the Humane Society and they came and picked up the pig. And that was the only animal I remember feeling like it was mine and I loved it. And it was such a well-behaved animal. It was perfect. The, the pig never went to the bathroom in the house. He would excuse himself and go outside. He was such a good pet, but we were not allowed to keep him. And I was devastated and I was so sad. And I remember having to drop the, the pig, the extra pig feet off at the Humane Society and saying my goodbyes. And then my, my mom and brother made many terrible bacon jokes and I was just mortified and I was just so sad about it. And Fergie was never quite the same. And eventually uh, a, a friend of ours that was going to college said he would take Fergie because Fergie kind of went through the state of depression when the pig got picked up. And that was it. So fast forward to when I'm in a relationship with the kid's father and he started using uh, little puppies and animals as sort of a distraction gift for when he predicted being in trouble or if he'd forget to come home for a few days he didn't inevitably show up with a little puppy and of course I'm a sucker for puppies but that was a little excessive because I didn't know how to give it back I didn't want to give it back once there was a puppy in my hands I fell in love and I wanted to have that dog well before the mass exit we ended up with three dogs at, at that point and one uh one had come from, uh, two, excuse me, had come from a questionable breeder that we ended up watching on the news get hauled away and arrested for running a puppy mill. And those dogs had just a plethora of medical issues and, and problems. And they, they were loved nonetheless, and they were wonderful dogs. And then there was another one he had decided, I, he must have been about to do something really bad or had done something really bad that he knew I was going to find out about. And he had ordered this extremely expensive uh snazzy uh designer dog it was a, a a bulldog from texas and that dog we didn't even get to enjoy that dog's being um a puppy because it had cherry eye out of the gate and it had pneumonia and it was such a sickly dog but it had come all the way from texas and there was no giving that dog back and i was over responsibility. I was over taking care of things at the time. I had both kids going through assessments. Sandler had so many medical issues. And then I had three dogs, all of which had medical issues. And they were on the back burner. I, I just couldn't with the dogs. I loved them, but it was so much. It was so much to handle. I'd come home from being in Denver for days on end uh, with Sandler at, at the children's hospital and I'd come home. And there was so much to take care of. And we leave the three dogs behind in Colorado, and I never could quite get over the guilt of that. But I had to get the kids safe. I had to get myself safe. And I couldn't do that it with three dogs in tow. And I, I forever felt guilty for leaving three dogs with somebody that I knew wasn't safe. But I had to do what I had to do. So then we get to California, and I invest in um, a guinea pig because Bootsy really needed an animal, I thought. And there was a, a fellow mom of a kid who was also in Bootsy's class, a classmate of Bootsy's. And she had suggested we I get her a guinea pig, that they're very loving animals. They love to sit on, on your lap and just get pet. And I didn't know. I, I know I didn't like rodents. I still don't like rodents or anything small and rodent-y. 
But I thought, I maybe I could do a guinea pig. Maybe she could take care of her own guinea pig. And I, you know, I'm happy to clean the cage. She, his mom had explained to me how easy it was. Well, no, I am not good with that at all. I did pick out a guinea pig. We named him Nolte. He looked exactly like Nick Nolte's mugshot. And Nolte came to live with us. And immediately, Nolte started to not particularly care for his owner, Bootsy, because Bootsy wanted to just be so hands-on. And Bootsy wasn't real delicate with Nolte. And Bootsy wanted to dress Nolte up. And Bootsy wanted to uh, put a leash on Nolte. And that's not really the kind of pet. She wanted to treat Nolte like a baby doll, more so. And Nolte didn't appreciate that. And bless Nolte's little heart, he'd see Bootsy coming in and he'd try to make himself invisible. He had a little little house inside his cage and he would just go in there and try to hide from her. And I couldn't stand the smell. I couldn't stand cleaning his cage. He couldn't stand Bootsy. And I just thought this isn't a workable uh, relationship. And it came time Bootsy was at school one day and I thought I need to take Nolte back to the the pet store where I'd gotten him and I thought better than to take him to the the one where I'd gotten him I'd take him to one across town so that they maybe they wouldn't know who I was or remember me picking him up about three months prior and I bring him in and uh, full disclosure I completely lied I said uh, that a friend of mine had to move and left me with this guinea pig and I just didn't I just didn't want any questions and I knew I didn't want to keep him or being talked into keeping him so they said, okay, fine, but you need to fill out this form. And as soon as I saw the form and it asked for my name and all my information, I thought, oh God, there's going to be a paper trail. So I just left the cage and I took took off running. I just ran. I ran. I didn't turn back. I, I felt terrible about it. I felt irresponsible. I felt naughty, but we couldn't, I couldn't do the guinea pig anymore, Bootsy there just wasn't that bond. It was hard to bond with the rodent and they weren't going to share that bond. And so the kids start falling in love with, we get new neighbors and they have the coolest dog and both kids. Santa's not the biggest animal fan um, at all. Actually, he's not a, a huge, he, he bonds with, with certain dogs. He's kind of known as the dog whisperer, but there's certain dogs, the certain personalities of dogs he likes. Well, this, this dog in particular, both kids just fell for. And as we're approaching, as Bootsy's approaching 18, I'm thinking to myself, oh, it might be time to really think about this. You've got to honor your promise. You promised her when she was 18, she could have a dog. So I get to talking to this neighbor in, in depth about this particular dog. And she says the magic words and that, person they got this dog from specifically breeds this labradoodle to service people with special needs and I'm thinking oh no like that's kind of the magic recipe for the kind of animal we need but that also sounds very very expensive you know and in my heart of hearts I thought I'd love to do a rescue animal but to be completely honest with you and to be honest with myself, I got so many surprises with my kids. I know we all get surprises with our kids, but mine in particular, so many medical surprises, so many challenges that I kind of wanted to make the investment of knowing it was a reputable 
breeder, unlike the the dogs I'd gotten from uh, the ex who'd brought home the distraction animal and they'd all come from these questionable breeders and had all these health concerns and problems. And I thought I'd love to get a dog that I kind of know what I'm getting with hopefully the disposition that the neighbor's dog had. Um, but oh my God, what's it going to cost me? She'd explained, you need to get in touch with this person. There's waiting lists for years. And I thought, okay, that bides me some time. I will, I'll just, I'll just inquire. I will get a hold of this person. I'll inquire. And the person was four hours away. And I sent an email and I got a response. And she said, you know what? I've got, I've got a litter of puppies and she was going to let me pick from the the litter that was coming up. And I thought, no, 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 no. I need time. I've got months until we're 18. You're jumping the gun. I immediately went to my therapist and I said, oh my gosh, this opportunity is presenting itself. Am I ready? I don't feel ready. I don't feel like a responsible dog owner. This is a huge commitment. I feel like I failed three dogs in my past. Well, I feel like I failed every pet from my past. I almost killed the family dog. Then there was the fighting dog. Then there was the bird I released out of the house. I, I don't think I can do this. And he said, okay, it doesn't have to be like any of your past experiences with pets. And he gave me this beautiful gift of understanding that the dogs I felt the guiltiest for were the ones that I left behind when I departed with the with the kids. And he said, Nikki, anytime a, a child or an adult who's in a, an abusive relationship sees that the abuser as somebody that can harm an animal, it's validation for what that person can do uh, to you. It confirms that that person is capable of hurting an animal so you can only imagine what they're capable of doing to you. And in your case, your children. You left because you had to leave. And it was such a profound, I, I was able to ease off the guilt, uh, my guilty conscience for leaving those dogs behind because I have forever felt horrible about that. And I thought, okay, you're right. And it doesn't have to look like any of the other pets from the past. So the time comes quickly that I go get the puppy. And I've orchestrated this whole thing with the kids being with their uh, respite gal for the entire day. And I'm going to travel four hours to go pick up this this dog I'm very reluctant about getting. And I, oh God, I don't think I want a puppy. Well, I get to where he is. And it was like he chose me. I had picked him from the picture. He was the one that looked different from the rest of the litter. And Bootsy had already discussed that if if and when she was going to get this dog, she's going to name him Kevin. And I don't know if that's because we were close to Christmas and they were watching uh, Home Alone constantly, consistently, or if it was they also religiously watch Up and the bird's name is Kevin. I don't even know one of my very best friend's name is Kevin. I don't know where, what, who they drew that from, or if it was all three, but she was going to name this dog Kevin. So I show up and I'd had a little dog tag made for his little collar and this little puppy comes out and he just runs. It looked, it reminded me of Clifford, the big red dog, but this little tiny version. And he just runs into my arms like we were meant to be together. And I thought, oh boy, this is meant to be. I am meant to have this dog, even though it's Bootsy's and I'm going to let her believe this is her dog. Kevin 
is my is my guy like he's I feel it this dog is going to have my back he is going to be my best friend and I put him in a basket and it was something like from a Hallmark movie the kids get home Bootsy lights up brighter than the Christmas tree there are tears and then Sandler's pissed (laughs) he didn't like Kevin at all he goes and stands in the corner just angry And he said, take it back. Take that dog back. And it took him a very long time to warm up to Kevin. And I don't know if it was the attention thing and that Kevin was getting so much attention. I don't know if it was the energy of my nervousness about having this little animal. But I was giving Bootsy all of the the initiative to be the, the puppy mommy. She was doing such a great job. And she's continued to do an amazing job. But he was not having it. He did not want anything to do with this dog. And then we'd start seeing him warm up and we'd catch him. And he didn't want to ever be caught, but he, we'd catch him petting Kevin in the corner or or throwing a ball to Kevin. And Kevin's been the perfect dog. Kevin keeps his mouth shut. He has been, he's got the best disposition. He's got the best demeanor. He's just, he's just incredible. And he's everything I never imagined I'd have in, in a dog. And he's given Bootsy that sense of responsibility. It's it's a great distraction for her because instead of being interested in boys, she's only interested in Kevin. And it's her it's her baby. It's her everything. And although I allow her to secretly believe he's all hers, he's definitely he's he's my best buddy. I absolutely love Kevin and he's just been life changing and I can't imagine at this point life without Kevin. And I really do feel like Kevin chose us as much as I chose Kevin to be part of our family. Today's special edition is a little side note about Kevin's affection for underwear. And it could be funny, but it's not funny when it costs like $1,000 to get fixed. And, And it obviously can be very dangerous for a dog to consume underwear. Well, we didn't quite know that this was a problem until there were a couple instances. And one in particular, I had gotten rid of the kids for a whole entire day. And I was just going to have Kevin and and me day. And I was going to take him for a run, which I did. We're out running. Kevin gets a lot of attention. He's a really happy, um, he's like a little human. He's just got this amazing personality and he's got this funny hair. And he and I are jogging and I'm just really enjoying my freedom. I'm enjoying not having any kids next to me. I'm I'm enjoying nobody being on their bikes and having to be nervous and uncomfortable with our, my, my exercise routine. And I stop and I, I run into a couple of, of guys I know and they have some extra friends. So I'm amongst this group of, of surfers and just enjoying the adult conversation and really attractive guys. And all of a sudden Kevin starts to heave. And like heave ho all of a sudden out of his mouth, he throws up two, not one, two pair of my underwear, which I happen to have an affection for um, funny prints on my underwear. So this particular day, there were dinosaurs on one pair and uh, Batman on the other. And that's what came out of Kevin's stomach mixed with all the grossness of whatever and I was so embarrassed and mortified I quickly grabbed a a poop bag scooped that stuff up and ran away and 
I just was absolutely mortified. And I had to have a long talk with Kevin and explain to him that if and when I ever have a, a moment of being free, single, he's not to ruin that moment for me and throw up a bunch of my embarrassing underwear all over and humiliate me. Please tune in next week as we quickly approach Sandler and my birthday for my odd birthday wishes for my entire life, as well as my love and disdain for birthdays. Please like, follow, share, subscribe. You can find me on YouTube, Adult Chicken, also adultchicken.com. Make sure you get the .com in there. You can also find me on Apple and Spotify podcasts, as well as Instagram and TikTok, adult underscore chicken. Mm -hmm.